and welcome to Intellectual Property Magazine's podcast. I'm Ben Wadecki and this is episode 9, Green and Clean IP. On the pod today is Field Fisher's David Knight, a partner in the firm's IP team. David is a litigation lawyer with a particular focus on patents, advising on offensive and defensive litigation, infringement avoidance, commercial exploitation and acquisition. David, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm all very good, thank you. And yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Also joining us is Chris Hamer from Matheson Squire, a partner in the firm's chem team. Chris's expertise includes oil petrochemicals, catalytic processes, food chemistry and green technologies. Chris, welcome. Hope this finds you well. Very well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. And finally, Peter Thornley joins us from Venice Shipley. Peter is a chartered and European patent attorney in the firm's electronics and engineering team with a focus and enthusiasm for environmental technologies. Peter. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. With the introductions out of the way, it's time to get on with the pod. Today, we're talking about how IP can help in the fight against the climate crisis. David, how important was it for WIPO to have made this year's World IP Day theme about green technologies? I think it, I think it, it, it is important. Um, I think once COVID is out of the way, everybody recognises that uh, global warming and environmental issues are top of the agenda. And I believe IP has a role to, to play in that. And I look forward to discussing further as we go through this afternoon uh, that role we can play. Peter, should there be a separate dedicated day given the severity of the situation regarding the climate crisis? How can we increase awareness of this area of IP? Well, I think, yes, we should be talking about green IP more. I think IP clearly has a role to play. The purpose of IP is to nudge the market and to nudge people towards making progress and innovation. And clearly, this is a particularly kind of critical point to make progress in that area. So I think it's always good to raise awareness in that respect. It's difficult, I guess, to get the leverage perhaps that um, a body like the World Intellectual Property Organization might like. Of course, us in the IP community are very aware of what they do, and it's hard to know how far these kind of initiatives tend to kind of go beyond that community. But even within that, I think drawing attention to the kind of critical role IP has to play is a useful task. Whether it would would make a huge difference difference to have a a further day or further efforts from WIPO. I think, you know, these kind of organizations have work to do probably on the substance of making sure that they're supporting the community in this technology area as effectively as they can. It's not clear to me that another day would make a big difference, but I think it was very valuable to put that focus on it this year. Earlier this year, Chris, IPM interviewed a, a green inventor who said it should be easier to obtain green patent applications. And he said that IP offices should be offering cheaper applications or monetary rewards so far into a patent's life. What are your thoughts on this? It's an interesting point to start. I mean, I, I think IP has a role to play in technology and in bringing these green innovations to market, but I think it has a limited role to play. And what I have seen is there are, there are a lot of interesting ideas out there and the difficulty is getting them from you know their their initial phase or a pilot phase up to something which is full scale and commercial to me it's the it's the investment which is really missing in terms of getting some of these great innovations to commercialization where they can actually help the planet if you like and address some of these green problems do you see anything on this david what's your thoughts first of all wholly echo that that last comment i think iip sort of the best sort of greases the wheel that enable product uh, innovation and uh, development to maturity and, and really i think 
is, is the whole commercial landscape that shall play its role in, in bringing green technologies to the fourth. Coming on to the, the, the point about what IP can do, over the last year or so, I've been on the uh, AIPPI Standing Committee on IP and Green Technology, and we've been, we've been looking at this, this very issue. And I think one of the things that needs to be sorted out before one really starts talking about sort of reduced fees, for, for example, for, for clean tech, is to actually have some standardizations. There's no, it's not really tinkering around the edges, for example, if you reduce the fees in the UK and perhaps a couple other jurisdictions. I think really to have any kind of incentive effect arising from that, I think two things need to happen. One or you need to have some fairly widespread adoption across the key patent offices to that. And secondly, you need to have a standardized definition of what we mean by green technology and what's going to fall into that category or not. Otherwise, it just becomes complete almost dog's dinner um, of, of different opportunities in different jurisdictions. And, and that doesn't help anybody. I think one of the key things one wants to do is just keep the, the, the system and incentives as, as simple as possible. Um, that aids people understanding it and buy in and it also aids the, the operation of it as well. Peter, can you outline for us if there are any processes that make it easier for green inventors already currently available and do you think they're effective? I just wanted to touch on the point mentioned there about whether we should be making changes in some areas. I think it's important to distinguish and something I wouldn't necessarily recommend is making changes to make it easier to get patents in this area by changing the substance to say, you know, the bar for patentability in terms of how novel or inventive you ought to be should be different in a certain tech area. And then once that consistency is applied, then you can look at whether changing fees and things might help. And I think there is possibly that's the, the key point for a lot of kind of entrepreneurs I meet is that the, that the cost is a big barrier for them. But I agree with, with David, the more we can kind of coordinate that because one of the aspects of this green technology um, or, you know, climate crisis is it's it's a global issue. And um, just tweaking around the edges on, on UK IPO fees, for example, which aren't particularly large in the first place, it's not, it's not going to make the meaningful change we need. In terms of what exists already, there are a few processes where you can, uh, you know, accelerate patents in the UK, for example, under a thing called the Green Channel that's existed for quite a long time, which will get you accelerated search and examination so that you might get your patent granted sooner. And that actually comes to a similar point about how do we define what is um, green technology in that respect. You have a requirement, I think, to request that uh, procedure of, of kind of demonstrating or arguing for why your technology has, a, has its kind of green credentials. But there's a range of things that can kind of pass that hurdle. And perhaps as policy reasons, you might want to be a bit more restrictive about what you really want to encourage. So in, in terms of the patent system so far, what I've seen mostly is the ability to accelerate and bring things forward, but that's not always what a business needs. And that's not really the priority of, often. So I think there is scope for more work to be done. Chris, have you seen any issues brought on by non-practicing entities or NPEs in this area? Certainly for, for my European-based clients, um, no. You know, generally we have a different legal system to to especially the US. There's a lot less uh, no win, no fee. And, you know, if you lose a litigation in the UK, then you're on the hook for the other side's fees. I don't see that as a as a worry necessarily. Of course, if somebody centers on a very useful technology in the green field and it becomes highly patented, then we may well see uh, litigation break out. But at least for a lot of the stuff I'm working in, it's very early days. I think part of that comes down to what we mean about the green sector again. And um, for example, self-driving vehicles are regarded as some as being a green technology. They make more efficient use of the vehicles themselves. 
themselves and they would say uh, more fuel efficient when they're running around as well. It's only just starting, but I think that's probably where we are going to see CMPE litigation arising in due course. Um, a lot of the uh, technology goes in there. It's, it's based on telecoms. We're already seeing a lot of patent disputes, uh, MPE patent disputes in, in that space. So in terms of, I, I, I don't know, sort of wind turbines or something like that, I think it's perhaps unlikely, but anyway, where you, what you regard as green technology, then yes, it's quite possible we'll see uh, MPE litigation coming through the next few years. In that case, David, do we need a standardised definition for what constitutes a green technology? I think it depends what you're going to do with it. Um, it's already been touched upon this sort of the fast track channel for the green patents, and certainly in the UK, that just operates on, on a declaration by the patentee, and it doesn't really matter too much whether that declaration is, is valid or not. But if you're going to start the system in place, which is perhaps more sophisticated, and we, we touched upon reduced fees, but just take that as an example. As I said earlier, to have any kind of worldwide effectiveness, a standard definition would be beneficial. But if you're, if you're, if you're not going to be doing those sorts of activities, then query what's the point of having a standard definition for green technology. How about you, Chris? Do you see such a definition being implemented in the near future? I'm not sure you'll ever see an agreed standard definition both all those jurisdictions. They've not managed it in telecoms and other things, so it would be shocking if they suddenly did it for green technology. I think that's the case, isn't it? The more important it is, the more difficult it will be for everyone to agree, as it were. So the, the more that rides on it, the more difficult it will become to, to come to a consensus there. And perhaps it's a little bit misguided in, a, in, in any case, as David said, it depends what you're doing with it. And if, if what you're doing with it is reducing fees, perhaps to, to, to kind of encourage access and use of the IP system, could you be targeting technologies, which perhaps in very kind of large, rich corporations who are developing self-driving car technologies, for example, or should you be targeting um, types of entities? So, I mean, the fact already that in the US, fees are significantly reduced if you're a small entity, and in the UK and Europe, they're not particularly, and perhaps greater progress could be made towards more effective use of the system by focusing on bringing in um, more parties to use of the system. David, what advice would you give to green inventors on protecting their ideas through IP? I think Peter's largely stole my thunder on that. I think about half a degree, I, I, whatever one thinks about the rights or wrongs of seeking patent or other IP protection for a particular idea, the right thing to do is think about it. I think sadly, I see too many businesses just don't engage in that debate. And I think they miss out, miss out really in two key respects. One is they miss out the opportunity to have good IP that um, otherwise they'd be lost. Secondly, I think investors, when they're looking at a business, like to see there's good management and diligence and, and, and thought processes. And, and if you've, you've come to a decision, made the decision and you rationalised it, I think that looks much more impressive, even if the investor disagrees with the ultimate decision, at least you thought about it rather than just not even engaging with that process. So I do think it's very important for, for businesses to, to engage with the should we protect our IP discussion. Whether it's any different for for, for in, in the green fields, other fields, I don't think it particularly is. I think it, it's the same really question for everyone. Do we have innovative ideas that we can protect? Is patents the right way to protect it? Should we think about confidential information? Or what about other IP rights as well? Then the market dynamics, uh, how long it's going to take to get to market? Do you, for example, need an IP portfolio in order to attract investment? And all these other factors that go into that decision-making process. Peter, Chris, how about you both? Any final thoughts on how a green innovators can use IP to protect their brand and products? Well, I think one of the points that comes often with particularly kind of young 
companies is that uh, kind of this, a decision not to take action or a decision not to um, register your IP or, or, or look to that is as much a decision as it to positively take action as it were. You are making decisions all the time. And the important thing to do is to do those things consciously and take advice at an early stage. And the second part of that, I think, is to make sure that's tied to what is the model of your business going forward. And as um, as we kind of touched on earlier, green technology covers a wide range of commercial spaces, which might involve licensing opportunities or might involve other kind of outcomes. And you need to make a clear decision early on and have a clear understanding of where intellectual property will fit in the actual business model you've chosen. I agree with both of the other speakers. It's all about your business plan and where IP fits into that. I would say that when you're looking at new and emerging technologies, it's probably a longer road than a lot of innovators think. The market can be very conservative. And so there are, there are sort of a lot of trials along the way to prove your technology and, and get the take up that it deserves. That's sort of one of the things I touched on earlier, where I said it would be nice to see greater investment available for that, those sort of businesses so that, you know, as they start on that journey, there is that support to help them actually get it to market and commercialized. Because a patent will look great, but the proof will only ever be once it's it's actually out there in the marketplace and being used and demonstrated that's it from us today we hope you enjoyed the show be sure to tune in next time wherever you get your podcast from and thank you for listening don't forget to check out ipmagazine.com for the latest ip news views and developments from around the world thank you and please stay safe <laughs>